Welcome to the Estate Professionals Mastermind Podcast, a podcast for estate professionals who earn more, work less, and make a huge difference in their communities. If you get value out of this free content, be sure to check out probatemastery.com where you can get live classes, access to weekly coaching, and valuable courses. To learn more, visit probatemastery.com. Now let's jump into this week's content. Hey, welcome to our Tuesday uh, Probate Mastery Real Estate Coaching Call. We do this every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm Bill Gross. I'm a real estate broker, and I'm in this business. I'm a practitioner. This is my full-time business. I don't, you know, I, I, I really don't coach as a professional. I'm not selling coaching, not selling data or services. Um, I, I will say I do have a module I'm selling on emailing, but really it's more from my team. And, and when we get other people who pay for it, it makes it more interesting, but it's not a major part of my business. My real business is listing and selling probate real estate. Um, I'll do about 25 properties a year. I literally took a new listing last week. I took two uh, listings I've been working on for quite a while. Uh, I think just put them into escrow. Uh, got a bunch of offers on another listing. I'm trying to get that into multiple counter offer here today for getting an escrow by the end of the week. That's what I do. That's my basic business. And so our, the purpose of this mastermind, I'm not saying to brag about me. I'm saying I'm one of you. In fact, I used to be on this call because I needed it. Uh, I need to mastermind, share best practices, uh, collaborate, refer, refer in, refer out, realtors, attorneys. And at one point, Chad Corbett, who was the proprietor, wasn't able to do it regularly. So I started as a substitute about a year ago, and I've been doing it ever since. The company's been bought by Bruce Hill, who was formerly a coach at allleads.com, where I also was a customer. And he's a great coach. And we've talked about how does this this call fit in that program. And I'm excited to say we've come to an agreement to continue this. Uh, I'm going to continue this format going forward um, because I really believe in it. I think that you know if we work together, we can dominate the market. There's on the call today, there'll be 40 or 50 people. And with YouTube views, another 100, there's you know like a million realtors nationwide. If we do our job and we split the business amongst ourselves, we'll all do real well. That's my goal. And to do better and learn every day and be better at my practice. Now, just for housekeeping purposes, the sponsor or where this program comes from is Probate Mastery. ProbateMastery.com is the website. The different paths. And again, uh, Bruce took this over and it's kind of being redone to some degree, but there's basics, probate foundations and principles, getting certified as probate mastery on demand. And there's other courses and bundles you want to continue down the road. Earn Attorney Referrals Now is a program about how to get attorney referrals. I actually am one of the contributors to that program. So go through and, and see if there's anything there you like. If you've been in the program, stuff's getting updated all the time, check it out. And then continue the conversation in the Facebook group, Estate Professionals Mastermind. We have just under 7,000 members there. And there you can ask for referrals. You can uh, um, uh, offer referrals, ask questions, continue the conversation. There are any questions we don't get to today. That's a great place to continue it. Now, separately, just a little self-promotion, I run a, a call every week, a podcast, probateweekly.com. I think it's the largest real estate um, podcast on probate real estate specifically. And it's an interview format where you interview top um, uh, proprietors, business people, attorneys, vendors. Uh, once a week on Thursdays at 4 p.m., you can go to probateweekly.com and sign up to be on the live stream, or you can go to the YouTube channel and see it at episodes.probateweekly.com. And then I also have a Facebook group where we continue the conversation. I have 3,000 members. And in addition, I don't know what the rules are on the 
probate mastery group and of mine, you're welcome, maybe both, uh, to post your probate-related content. I'd love this to be a place. I post my content there, but I don't want it to be online. I want you to be asking questions, looking for referrals, and also um, uh, post content. Literally to, uh, yesterday, I had a, a lead request for new listing, and I went into my uh, uh, group, posted the lead, got a response right away. Take the now. What I do is I take the post down once it's fulfilled, so as not to torture people with it. But this, for me, is an important tool as we build our business. We're more likely to want to interact with other people across the country. So check out those resources; they're all free. Love to have you participate with us there. Okay, first hand up, Daniel Parker. Uh, you've got the floor. What's going on? Let me get you muted and let's bring you in. What's going on, Daniel Parker? Hey there. I have lots of questions, but my first one I posted to the estate professionals mastermind. And basically I'm trying to figure out how do I, I don't have a whole lot of past clients. I've only had like six transactions so far. So I want to go into my database and ask the question and offer the service of a free consultation with a probate or a state of planning attorney. Right. How do I do that? What do I do? Well, so my answer is going to be different than most people. I I really believe it's important in marketing to be authentic. That's why I I try not to use scripts or templates, but get you to use your own verbiage because these are people that know, like, and trust you. You and I are different. I speak very quickly. You don't. I mumble a lot. You don't. Uh, I have a particular tonality that's different than yours. We both happen to be male, maybe male, female, you know, different personalities, styles, natures. So I would pretend to tell you where, in fact, I would say that the core, one of the core characteristics of success in business is leadership. And leadership is about communicating a vision and sharing it with the people that you're trying to impact, whether you are a pastor at a church or a teacher in a class or a real estate professional trying to get business from their clientele by giving them value, you're trying to lead them into here's a tool that you should consider. So, you know, I might may look at some suggestions you would have, but I suspect you would ask that question or offer that offering via email and via social media posts. And those should be in, I think, your tonality, should be in your voice. Um, and I would say if you want to have questions, hey, I have this as a potential email, what do you think? Post that in the group and get some feedback on it. Because I can only answer how I would communicate with my tribe. And my tribe's different than yours. Your competitive advantage is your tribe. Does that make sense? I think so, yes. So I, I think that the other thing I would tell people is if having been a real estate uh, sales manager of an office, in fact, a general manager of seven offices, it's true with realtors. It's also true, I think, with general people. You have to communicate a message multiple times before people get it, before they understand it. And it's embarrassing when when people do that to me, and I realize I only got it after five or six or seven emails because we're all busy. We're all kind of looking, but the phone rings. We're looking, but our daughter comes in. We're all kind of not paying that much attention. And so rather than take it personal, well, gee, I sent an email and nobody responded, Maybe you need to rewrite the email to get their attention or communicate more effectively. But sometimes it's just repetition. You put an email, then you put it in your social media, 
they see you on Facebook, then they go to LinkedIn and see you again. I mean, I have people say to me, I see you all over social media. And I say, great, that's the, that's the goal, uh, is to catch you multiple times. So I don't know the right answer, Daniel, but I would say there's a right answer for you. And I'm glad to give you some input. Why don't you kind of play with it a bit, put together an email template, put together a proposed social media post or two, and put it in the group. And let's see if we can get some feedback for you. How's that sound? That's good. Uh, and this would be a mass email to everybody in my David database or, okay. Well, okay. So email is, is a complicated answer that um, you, you want to, we say mass, we don't want to send out to something to people we have been in communication with for 10 years. We have to work our way into that, back into that relationship. You'd be careful not to get your service shut off by doing that. But I will, I will share a story with you. So I do a weekly email that I consider my basic COI email, center of influence email. I send it out to everybody who knows, likes, and trusts me that I know, like, and trust. So one time, I built it up to about 6,000 people, of which about 4,500 were so subscribed. And so out of 4,500 people, I would send it out every week. About 40% would open it up. And I looked at my email database program, and I realized I had another 6,500 people of which about 4,500 were still subscribed, that I wasn't sending that weekly email to. And I wondered what would happen. So I sent the same email the next week to both groups, and they both opened it at about the same rate. So I will say is that people who know, like, and trust you will want to hear your message. Uh, but you have to kind of build that relationship and make sure you're being appropriate. So when you say a mass email, yeah. I, I, I mean, personally, I email to my database invitations to do a free estate planning seminar or an estate planning tool I think is effective. Uh, and I post on my social media all the time. Um, you have to integrate that into your strategy, if that makes sense. Okay. Do you send out a weekly newsletter now or a weekly email now? No. So in my email mastermind class, not to promote it, but just because I teach this stuff over and over again, I got tired of doing it. I said, well, I'll package it up. I'll sell for $97. If you want to get it, great. It's a whole hour because it's more than I can just give off of one foot all the time. But what I would say is that the number one foundation of your business is your database. And the purpose of it is to communicate with them. The primary method we use to communicate with them is email. Now, we can also use additional channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever, YouTube, so I recommend real estate agents have at least one email a week to their entire database that's real estate related. Um, you might have additional other emails to other niches, but at a minimum, everybody's email in one place. Everybody gets one email a week, which is what, what do you see happening in the real estate market that they might be interested in knowing about? Now, again, my personality tends to be a little more logical and a little more fact-oriented. If you know me, I'm kind of a data expert and, and um, uh, uh, I like to debate issues. So my my weekly email tends to be about looking at the news, dissecting it deeper, going into statistics and analyzing. That's my strength. Other people have others. And, and, and to their tribe, theirs are interesting to them. They're not to me, but I'm not their client. So I would recommend you find something to write about every week and in my class, I talk about scheduling a time slot, how to generate ideas for that, and send something out once a week. You really need to, I think, send out an email every week to everybody in your database um, 
as a basic foundation. Okay. And then I have an attorney question. I went to probate court for the first time a week ago. And when I was out, dropped in to an attorney's office that had had multiple cases the multiple the month before. So uh-huh. I knew he was more than average active. And I dropped in. The secretary said he wasn't in. They'll schedule an appointment. He finally called me and I said, I'd love to be able to come in and see if you can guide me on how to guide my clients that are going through probate and maybe put together a checklist of things that the the attorney would be responsible for and that they, as the person representing, would be responsible for. He goes, oh, that's a great idea. And I think I'd charge $400 for that. So I'm trying to figure out what I did wrong or what I should do differently to get that person to see that I should become, I, I come with value. Well, I think um, in any relationship, there's people who give gifts because they want to give that gift. And there's other people who give the gift they know the recipient wants. Right? We've all seen that. Right? You, I, I, ha- I once had a roommate, very narcissistic. Uh, I had, I had uh, two roommates and then... Two of their, uh, one of their roommates had a boyfriend. And so we're kind of like a little singles family kind of unit thing. We got together for dinners and such. And so we had a holiday party and we gave gifts. And her gift to everybody was a nice frame of a picture of her. Because she wanted us to have a picture of her. And you go, that's kind of self-serving. Right. She gave a gift that she wanted to give. She didn't give thought to what somebody else might want to receive. Mm-hmm. And so the same is true in sales. I think that you need to think about and maybe ask the question before you offer, you know, what can I do to help your business? I'd like to rep- recommend my customers to come to you for probate. I'm not looking for a referral in the attorney's fees. I just like to get my customers to get good service. What are some strategy or tactics you'd recommend that can use to help recommend you more often? Maybe that would be a way to approach it or the question you should be asking him. But for you to suggest, one of my attorneys is they know the answer to Everything. Everything. They know everything in their minds. There's no group of people who thinks they know more in relation to what they really know than attorneys. That's why all politicians are attorneys, because they think they can solve every one of the world's problems just because they got elected to some office, and they don't know anything. But they talk like they know everything. And so you have to know about attorneys and, be, and, and understand their ego is just enormous enormous and you have to always be aware of that when you communicate with them so i i would say that i wouldn't ever suggest anything i'd always ask and make sure it comes across as their idea it's kind of like are you married daniel yes yeah you ever notice when you suggest a restaurant to your wife she never likes it that's just my wife is that every wife i ever met versus well honey where would you like to go now that's a tough that's a whole nother problem (laughs) <laughs> but but my point is, whatever I suggest is never the right answer. That's like an attorney. And I think that you have to really do some digging and see what are they doing, ask questions. What do you do to generate business perhaps I could help with? Do you do seminars? Do you do webinars? Do you do you know, advertising? You need some help as far as the lead follow-up. Where can I be of assistance to help you? And how can I most effectively refer people to you for business? But look, some the other thing I would say is this. Some people 
just aren't suitable partners in a business. They they are takers. And so they would rather kind of talk you down and force you away to try to get a $400 fee um, than ever do business. I, I'll give you a famous example. I've been in business, you know, going back four years ago, I was in business 32 years. I'd done thousands of real estate transactions. I'd done some probate. One of my best friends was a bankruptcy attorney, and he, and he said, you know, you're really good, Bill. You should talk to my friend Leslie. She's an attorney. She does probate, and I think she'd really benefit from working with you. Great, love to. Here's your number. Now, I've learned since I need to have him get her to call me. Otherwise, it's a waste of time for me. I called her up, and you know, she said, well, how many uh, limit authority probates have you done? I said, listen, I, I've been on both sides. I want to pretend I'm an expert in it. I'm a quick learner. I'll run anything by you. Forget it. If you haven't done whatever, 10, I'm not interested. So I thought she meant when I have 10, call her back. I mean, really her good friend, an attorney, had recommended me. So in the next year, I did about 25 or 30 limited authority probates, which means with court approval. I could get to return a phone call or an email. Then just recently, I sent out an email to my database, and I still had her in it asking my database to give me Google reviews. And by the way, I got like 80 Google reviews in a week, all five-star, a lot from attorneys. But she wrote back some stupid, nasty email. And I realized it's not me or the way I approached her. She is just a nasty person. And if you talk to enough people, you can choose who you work with. You don't have to work with nasty people and put up with them. Now, I do have to work with the nasty customers of my good attorneys. That's different. But I don't have to put up with a nasty attorney to start with. It's just not. And I also find that those kind of attorneys attract customers like them. So to answer your question, if that person wasn't polite, I wouldn't really worry about it. I'd say you got off light. But certainly you want to come from where can I create value for you rather than suggest a prescription before you know the disease. Okay. That's good. Thank you. Thanks. Any other questions or does that cover your list? Um, I had a question about, I had started following Chad about two years ago and he was talking about this new software that they were going to bring online, but then I haven't seen anything recently about it. The software that you would offer your personal representatives and you might get an attorney to co-opt and sponsor. Yes. What is that? And is that in the works? So that is, has been released. That is a state exec software. EstateExec.com is the company. Um, I think, you know, I am also a practitioner here. I'm not, I'm not selling the product, but it was a very complicated understanding of it. And I actually interviewed the owner of the company and realized it really was for the executor, not so much for the attorney, at least as I see it. Um and but it and and case in point, I have a case where I am an executive estate, and I thought all along I would use that service, but I realized there's another company where the attorney does those as part of the service, so I would have to deal with it. So I'm not sure where that fits in. I think that the other thing about that software from where I sat was it was um, a solution designed where a customer before they meet with a estate planner upload all their documents and the, the communication flow of how to access accounts. Um, and I think in theory, it's a great concept, but I find customers don't really want to do that. 
At least that's my experience. Now, I'm not poo-pooing. I'm just saying the customers I deal with aren't looking for additional paperwork to do before they meet with a before they meet with an attorney to do a estate plan. I can't get them into the estate plan. I work at that. That's my goal. So, but it's a state exec, and other people have had positive results with it. It has a referral network built into it. It has some other features into it. So I don't want to say don't use it. I'm just, I don't use it personally. I did find it complicated. Um, I think it's a great concept, but it doesn't solve the problem where I do business every day. It's it's something else. Thank you. Okay, good. Okay, well, there you go. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Daniel. Uh, who else has a question, comment, victory, defeat? Not defeat, but defeat. You want to share? I can share quite a few, but again, I don't want this to be about me. There's your chance to get some free coaching and support and hopefully encouragement and or solutions to problems you're facing. Anybody? No? What is your, you what's your typical approach when you're conducting code calls? I'm assuming you're still you're still engaged with those. What is, what's my approach when I do what calls? When you when you go through cold calls, what is your initial um, what is your initial strategy when you're engaging with folks that you haven't spoken to before on cold calls? Sure. So I don't cold call petitioners today. Uh, like I'll get a list and and cold call them all or attorneys. Now I've been in the business a long time. I've built up a following, and so. You get to a point where if you if you cold call enough, you should be creating customers and prospects and referral sources that if you just keep calling them back, you don't need to cold call anymore. Does that make sense? Gotcha. That's the goal. And so when companies who do cold calling don't teach you, that's the goal. The goal is not to be on that um, wheel, hamster wheel, every day of the rest of your career. It's to build a business so that you don't have to continue to do that. And then you can do other higher um, payoff activities and cold call. That's the goal. So I don't do that specifically. I do have members of my team that cold call, and I teach that. And I know Bruce also does a great job of teaching cold calling. So I would say if you're new in the business, you have to call somebody. Start with the people you already know, like, and trust. Every realtor and every investor says, I don't have but X number of customers. Start with them. Start with people that you know, like, and trust. Start with your prospects you didn't get deals, with, and then start cold calling. So your question is, how do what what do we do for cold calling? And I, I think that um, the goal is to be of service to people rather than just sell them for a listing. And the whole purpose of the call then is to get into a conversation of, as to where they're at, what problems they're having, and looking for the opportunity for the next step, which is to talk about solving that problem. So in now I'm in LA, California. Where are you, Clifford? Georgia. What part? Um, like Metro Atlanta area. I'm actually new to the area, so I'm originally from California, and I'm also licensed in California as well. Recently okay. moved out here uh, last year, so now I'm, I'm basically restarting my whole Rolodex. All my my main contacts and the relationships I've built over the years have been in California. Okay. Are you throwing away all the old leads you used to have? Well, right before I left California, I just got my license, actually. So I didn't have my license for only, what, a couple months before 
relocating to Georgia, but when I say my Rolodex, I'm just speaking in terms of all the relationships I've built over the years, non-real estate related, just friendships, um, a, lot, a lot of business owners that I've gotten to know over the years. Um, in, say, in I, I would start with them. I wouldn't throw that away. I would start with that, right? Yeah, actually, I've, I've already have. So there's a couple of them where we've engaged in certain um, certain business opportunities where we see potential of possibly joining forces. Uh, but like beyond that, I'm starting scratch. So I think that as a, and are you a real estate agent or an investor now? Um, an investor. Well, you, you could say both because I have rental properties as well. But primarily, my focus right now is to really assist in the probate field. That's that's where my my, my niche is specializing in helping those folks. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd say is the cold calling strategy varies by where you are. It's much different in Metro Atlanta than it is in more rural or semi-rural Georgia. Just like it's in LA, it's very different in LA than it is, say, in. Orange County or San Bernardino, Riverside County, or even more remote locations. So you have to make sure you're appropriate for your market and in, in, you know, who you're talking to. Um, you know, I I think that everybody looks for the right script, the right answer. I do think you should have it and work on it. And I know Bruce does a great job teaching cold calling for probates. I would say, and, and he may even write a, a he might even do a video response to this question. But I would say the most the the purpose of the phone call is to get into a conversation, to find a problem they need help with, to be, then be able to offer that solution. So you have to think about well, what, what solutions do you want to offer and what problems are the people you're calling typically have? So let me ask you, one solution is you want to buy the house, right? What are the solutions you want to offer? That's what you're saying, theoretically, or are you asking me a question? Yeah, I'm asking, no, I'm asking you a question. Okay, no, my... my um... My solution, my approach when I'm speaking to these folks is, for one, seeing what challenges they're encountering. Mm -hmm. And what I've actually been doing is discovering a lot of them either have an attorney who they're not happy with, who hasn't performed on the duties that they were hired to do. Mm -hmm. And in other instances, I'm speaking to folks that don't even have an attorney who's just completely lost in the process. And through that, I've been able to uh, refer over several people to a particular attorney in the area. Now that's a whole different beast because I'm 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 not sure if 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 I'm creating a relationship with an attorney where it's going to be reciprocated. Um, right now, my whole goal has been to make sure I place them in the hands of an attorney who I have confidence that's going to deliver them to the to the finish line. Um, more so than, okay, is this attorney going to feed me back business over the long term? Right. Uh, just, just because when I'm speaking with these people, obviously they don't know me. So I definitely want the first impression to be, oh man, this, this random guy who called me put me into the hands of this vulture type attorney. So I want to make sure that the experience is great. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I think that in that sense is similar. So you want to make sure that your questions lead towards that solution. Uh, how is, let me ask you this. When you talk to people who've had their probate open 90 days or more, they followed the attorney 90 days or more ago, what percentage are happy still with their attorney? 
You said what percentage are happy? Mm-hmm. I, I would say the majority of them are, are are definitely happy, either because they don't know that, either because they don't know that the attorney's not doing what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. or they, they they actually are getting what they were promised. Because sometimes a person could be happy. I've, I've seen in cases where oh, we're not happy, we're happy with the attorney, not realizing, okay, this this is actually probably taking a lot longer than what they should. I've, I've found that a lot of attorneys, they, they I'm, 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 I want to say a lot for that, for, yeah, I want to be, want to be fair uh, to the, some of the ones I come in contact with. It seems as if they're dragging along the process to be able to um, capitalize on more money for the client or something or something. Yeah. Or they're just lazy. I had a case last week. I had a company call me three months ago, a little over three months, a little over three months ago. And the manager and the agent on the phone saying, Hey, Bill, we think you're great. And we know you're probate expert. We have this lead. We can't do anything with it because uh, they're in a probate. They're stuck. If you can fix it and bring it back, we'll pay a referral fee or you can list it or whatever you want to do. I said, Well, eh, I'll take a referral fee on it. Let me work on it. And and they have 90 days. Now, when you call customers, they don't want to dump on their attorney. They had already given the attorney money, $3,000, a year ago. He never even filed a petition. They gave the money for the cost for the petition, the filing fee, the, the uh, publication fee. He hadn't even filed it yet. Now, it turns out you might need two probates because there's a, another decedent. Okay, but you could file two. They, didn't file, they filed zero. The attorney, he's not completely dishonest. He got elected to be a judge, not in LA County. And so after three months, I get the client to finally realize your attorney is a loser. He hasn't done his job. Turn him over to an attorney to get the job done for him. That attorney is going to go back to the first attorney and say, hey, you didn't do anything. You owe them a full refund, get them all their money back, which he agreed to do. He was glad to get rid of it. The realtor... (laughs) Behind my back, calls the customer to list the property and say, well, don't bother calling Bill. We'll take it from here. <laughs> you know, and so that goes under the question. That goes under the matter of I'm not going to work with them anymore because they're dishonest people. And that's okay. I'm, I'm plenty busy. It's not that big a deal. But my point is that they were happy with their attorney a year later. I had to drag them out of his hands. Now, once they got their money back, got filed a new place, um, petition filed, court hearing date set. Oh, wow, you guys are the greatest. Wow, Bill, thank you so much. But it took that for them to understand their attorney was a hot mess. And so, Clifford, I think you're right on the right track on that. And I think, so answer your question. I would make sure whatever your questions are, it leaves open buying the property because you're an investor, but also finding a better attorney is the solution. I think I think you need to bring that <coughs> question and look for the opportunity early in your conversation uh, because I think that's a place where you're going to create your own value for your customers. Okay. Okay. Appreciate Does that help it. a little bit? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Thanks, man. And, Thanks and, so much. And, yeah, and um I think what what's this what's what's the new owner's name again? Bruce Hill. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, Bruce actually mentioned some strategies that that he uses or that he coaches on for cold calling. Yes. Um, I always like to get I, I know that you're experienced in the industry for a while. So I always like to get different inputs. And, and, and different approaches on what different people are doing to get the success that they that they've achieved. So no, I appreciate that. 
I, I try not to share things that I'm not currently doing because the business does change. I think I think I like to think I'm a hum- humble person. And as a result, I'm really careful to share what I, I know will work and I don't want to share something I don't know will work. So I don't, and I do call people cold referred by an attorney. That's a different call than a cold call. Yeah. And I do get it. I do get other agents call me and say, Oh, I have a lead for you. And it turns out, well, they cold called somebody in my area, but the customer has an attorney. They think the attorney is the greatest. They have a hearing date. They think everything's going to go smooth. They don't need me for anything. Um, so I, I'm not that kind of cold calling uh, agent today. I don't need to be. My time's more valuable than that. But yeah. I would urge you to work at that so you can be more valuable than that. Maybe have your team members cold call for you or, you know, build up a referral base so that you're working on that kind of business rather than cold calling. That should that should be the goal for anybody who starts off cold calling. Yeah, no, I agree. And one more question before I let you go, and and um, I'm sure there's other people who have questions. You mentioned different areas that perform or receive different um, success rates for call call cold calling depending on what what demographic. What have you seen from experience over the years that you've been doing this? Um, what 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 market or where are the 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 signals in a market that closely resembles um, better success rates for cold calling? If that makes any sense. Well, I don't know that I would say there's a better market. I would say it's make sure your approach is appropriate for that market, right? LA is very impersonal, but we have 500 probate cases a month. Rural Georgia, some counties are very nice. You'll call them up and they'll thank you for calling them because people there are just nicer, but they only have five or 10 probates a month. So I'm not saying one's better or worse. I'm just saying make sure that your marketing is appropriate for the market you're doing business in. Gotcha. Okay. Understood. Okay. Clifford, thanks, man. Nice meeting you. Wait, yeah, and again, you're in Georgia and LA. Thanks so much for checking in. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. And let's see. I saw, thought I saw a hand up. Maybe not. Maybe just a, maybe it was just a nightmare that I saw Larry Smith Group's hand up. I guess it must have been a nightmare. Must have been. Oh, my God. It's true. <laughs> Larry Smith Group, how are you doing? I am wonderful, my man. How are you? How about them Cowboys? How about? Uh, <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Ooh, that's a bad loss, Ooh. man. Ooh. I thought you didn't watch football. No, I watch when the Cowboys lose. Always watch that. Oh, you probably <laughs> have it taped. <laughs> I watched the the highlights on uh, afterwards, just the pastor. Uh, okay, so I've never. I've never done this, but th- this was texted to me from a probate case I'm working on right now. I've got the house listed, and I've I've done just about everything that we provide to them for this guy because he's out of town. But this conversation, this text came from all I said was, is there anything else I can help you with? That's it. Great and, question. And um, – This is what came. He goes, "Uh, Larry, I hope you're doing well. would like to ask your thoughts and advice on a probate case for the same brother-in-law that has passed. Uh, He owned a property. As I mentioned before, he owned a poultry chicken farm property in Lawrence, Missouri. Wow. We'll go go back to that because 
I think you got some connections, maybe somebody in Missouri I can talk to. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, we believe that the right, this is so critical. Everybody hears this because we believe that the estate and the letter administrator application we had submitted to the Denton County Court here in Texas would cover and apply to all states as well. Wow. This assumption was based on our communication with our previous attorney, and I'll leave his name out, who included the Missouri property in the initial application. However, he appears that was all incorrect. Mm. Um, So we're talking about poor attorneys. To make a long story short, someone who essentially used to be his friend and who also worked with him on the chicken farm, along with his wife, get this, applied to administrate the estate and filed in Lawrence County, Missouri. Without our consent or any notification, we only received the court's notification letter just yesterday. You can check the case out on their website, and he included the link here. And for your reference, according to the court case, they applied to as applicants as to be administrators and listed us as heirs, and here's the case number. Our questions are following. If the court approves their application, can they sell or manage my uncle's property in Missouri without our knowledge or permission? What would be the consequences of such actions? I would greatly appreciate your advice on this and what we should do in this situation. Um, at this time, we'd like to, uh, they, they plan to uh, state their objection to that in the court. Could you share anything with us that would be of value? So, Bill, let's pretend you got this. Mm. What's your thoughts? So first thing I would say is um, that I'm not an attorney. I can't give mm-hmm. legal advice. I can yep. give business advice. I can share my experience. And I can share the advice I've gotten from attorneys I've interviewed. Number two, that laws vary by state. That said, there's a standard set of laws that many states have adopted. Other states have taken those standard sets and rewritten them, but basically adopted. Uh, only a few states really have a completely separate legal system that's very that's significantly different than the rest. I don't know Missouri at all. I have no experience with probate in Missouri. My best guess is, you know, let me back up. In California, anybody can file probate. There's just a different priority as to who would be appointed. And the priority includes the county has a county public administrator that would have priority over a stranger. But the reason why they allow anybody to file is oftentimes the property is sitting there. Somebody should have taken control. Nobody is. And so never says, well, fine, I'll file. If you want to file behind me and claim priority, good, then do it and take control. But we don't want the property just to sit there forever. Uh, I have such a case where where, um, uh, I've done one recently. Today we got approved at court. Because it sat vacant and the neighbors were upset because it was occupied by some drug dude, whatever. I don't even know what he was. Was he dealing drugs? Was he just doing drugs? He had cats. It was a whole mess. And so the, the, the court has this process by which anybody can step up, but they can be overruled. So to answer his questions, I believe most states allow anybody can file probate, but there's a prioritization of a, uh, and so your your friend would have the opportunity, I would guess, to follow a competing petition 
Or they can call this guy and say, hey, we're going to file a competing petition or we can take over your petition. And that guy can amend his petition and say, well, instead of me, it's going to be the family member. So I always thought communication is best, make that phone call. But um, generally speaking, property, you can have a probate in Denton County, Texas, but the state of Missouri won't recognize the transfer of ownership without doing their own probate or what we call a subprobate. So this is pretty common where you have a property. I just got a call today on one where there's a property in California and the probates in, in Arizona. Well, the probates in Arizona and the probate might say the property goes to the son, but the state of California is not going to change the deed without doing their own probate case called a subprobate. Same process, basically. It just takes all the proceeds of the one probate and sends them to the estate or the case of the state in the second state. So to answer your question, I would say I would urge your client to call this person and see, is he trying to steal it? Or is it okay if I was to step in, take it over? Or maybe your friend's okay letting him be the administrator and he gets paid a fee to do that. Maybe that's maybe that's your client's best end game. And they should consult an attorney in the state of Missouri to run these questions by them to get the right answer. Do you have... Um... So I know you've got a network of agents that you're that you've got on your team. Anybody mm -hmm. in Missouri I should know? Agent or yeah, attorney? Agent. Yeah, let's do this offline. Yes. Okay. All right. We'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll do that when we get down here. Uh, so um, Missouri Smith, agent in Lawrence County, Missouri. Missouri. Not Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas, where Kansas State, uh, Kansas University is. Yeah, there's a there's two of them. Probably a few. Yeah. I think there's a Lawrence, California too. And you you got a Lawrence right here. There you go. Okay. All right. Um, okay, I think that uh, that's good. But I I thought it'd be kind of interesting to hear you know have someone hear you know like what's going on there. Uh, one one other question, Bill. So um, the term ancillary probate or mm -hmm. ancillary, uh, mm -hmm. isn't that what he's asking about? Yes, that, yeah. I use the subprobate, but ancillary probate is another way to put it, yes. Yeah, ancillary probate. So all he sh that Tony really was talking about was open up ancillary probate for that property in Missouri so that the Missouri knew that the – the person that passed was a resident of Texas that owned a property in Missouri. Right. And I believe that would have given the precedent or I give the authority back to the Denton court. Uh, but I right. still think they, they still have to go through the process through, through Missouri, but it's just, I think it's expedited because of, you know, they've done all the work on the primary. Is that kind of what you get out of that? Yeah, the the ownership interest in the property in terms of a will could be determined in Texas, but then they need to instruct the Kansas court. That's where you do the ancillary. Right. So you have a, a state where they determine that so-and-so is the, the um, uh, administrator or executor of the estate, and then Kansas opens a probate and moves the property from the decedent's name to the estate of whatever, and then the stick of, of Texas – uh, probate can sell the property, take the proceeds and put in a bank account and distribute it. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I think that's his best play is probably to contact that the friend. And then if that doesn't work out, then contact the attorney and let them know that they've already opened up probate. And they they I believe they are family, so I believe they would have priority um to probably be able to take over. But there again, we're stepping right into the legal landmine that is easy to do in probate. Yep. Uh when you do it long enough, you start thinking, hey, I know the answer, but we got to always be careful that we jump in and answer a legal question and not really understand the full ramifications of that answer. So yep. good stuff. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Keep those good emails coming. Thanks, Love man. Them. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks so much. So, um, yeah, Larry, that's a good point, Larry. Just because we think we know something doesn't mean we know it. Um, you know, you think you know that the Dallas Cowboys are one of the best teams in the NFL, and then you find out they play – Arizona Cardinals and laying eggs. So you never really know. <laughs> Gosh, what I was, love, love what was the, what was Excuse me, let me mute went? the call. Excuse me, second, we what have was, a Zoom bomber here. The Larry Smith Cribs Zoom bomber. <laughs> what was the score of the Rams game last night? Against the defending Super Bowl um, uh, participant, uh, Cincinnati, they lost to them. They didn't lose to the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> with a quarterback that nobody knows yeah. who he is. Uh, Bill, you are really behind because Cincinnati did not win a Super Bowl. No, they participated two years ago. Well, whatever, it's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> When's the last time Dallas was a Super Bowl? Do they play that? Yes, we do. <laughs> Outside of Texas. Okay, okay. For those of you who love the Larry Smith Group material, there you go. Uh, Paige has a great question. Paige, can I bring you in? And I have a couple questions to clarify what you're asking. If you want to unmute yourself. I'd love to bring you in and go through this one. Yeah. There, there yeah. You are. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you so much. Okay. Good. So Paige, well, go ahead and ask the question to the group. So uh, I guess I'll just read it. What if the, um, my big question is, can you contest a will? Okay. How should I even start this? The mother died in 2019 Probate was never filed. I could not find any probate filed. Okay. There was a will. She could not talk, but she wrote out, get the will to the daughter. And the daughter has health problems. And she and the, her dad, I guess I want to say a stepdad, would not allow her in the house to get the will. The will was never actually filed it wasn't notarized it's just something she wrote down and the the husband is a second husband now he is dying of cancer and so the daughter is wondering can she contest his will when the time comes does that make sense sure so let's break it back first off mom is so how is the property titled who owns the property mom and stepdad Yes. How do they hold title? That I don't know. That's the key. Okay. If they have a trust, the whole thing is academic. If they don't have a trust, it depends on how they hold title. The most common case is mom and stepdad buy property because they're now married. And normally when they both when mom passes first, her interest is split between new husband and um her children from the prior marriage. I'm, I'm sorry, let me back up. That's California law. You're in Montana. So who knows? Uh, 
I say generally states have very similar laws by default. You should, you'll need to get an attorney to help you with those particulars. But I'm going to give you kind of some direction to think about. The default in California is mom's kids would have half and new stepdad would have half. And then both parties hate each other because they both think neither one deserves the other part of it. Then you add to it now stepdad's passing away. So the question, to go back to the first part, the question is, is mom's will valid? Just be, Now, again, states differ. In California, just because the will is handwritten doesn't make it less valuable. If, it, if, it, if it's clear what her intentions are and it's clear that she did it, i.e. it's witnessed or her signature can be verified, if it can't be verified, then it's not of any value. So th there's a verification. But if you can verify it's her, her intentions, the court will take that into effect, typically, to divide the assets. So if she says in her will, I want it all to go to my kids, right? Then that's a possibility. But if she says she wants it half to my husband and half to my kids, probably there's not much to fight over. So it depends on the, the will and exactly what it looks like um, and, and the law in Montana. I don't know the laws in Montana. Um, there's a great movie worth watching if you're interested in probate called Body Heat. It came out in the mid-'80s. And it was, um, I can't remember the name of the actor and actress, in Florida. And it was a murder mystery. And the whole case hinged on the fact that the attorney had been involved in a case where one signature couldn't be verified. And, and in Florida, I think at that time, if you couldn't verify two signatures, the will was invalid and the person died intestate. And in Florida law, all of the assets went to the new stepwife. That's how the movie presented it. My point is just to say there's laws and then there's the facts of the case and you have to find out the details on both. The details are what matter. And so I'd urge them to get you the details on the will and the details on the law would be an attorney to find a Montana that can help answer those questions. Um, so what if they can't afford an attorney? I mean, this family, they've all got cancer. They were like the downwinders of where they were testing their Hiroshima. Hiroshima, oh yeah, I can't talk. Hiroshima bomb. So it, there's a property involved. What's the property worth? Well, here in Montana, that one is probably going to be around in the eight hundred thousand, and then there's Mesquite, Nevada. Is the property free and clear? Is there equity in the property? It looks to be like it's free and clear. So. They don't need to have money to open a probate uh, or to investigate these issues. One of the services I'd recommend is Scrivener, S-C-R-I-V-N-R.com. Scrivener is a word for somebody who writes things, but without the E-R, it's just the R, S, Scrivener, S-C-R-I-V-N-R.com. And they will not only manage the probate, and they have attorneys, but they will advance the fees for the administrator, the filing fees, the advertising fees, and the initial costs if necessary. So that okay. might be a good solution for them or for you to help them through. Uh, okay. if, you, if you bring them the referral, then they have a way to actually put you into the file with the customer's approval so you can watch the file go through the process. Okay. If you go there, Thank just say you. hi to them for me. I, I do do for my business with them, and they're a great resource. Uh, I interviewed them on my probate weekly, and a really firm believer in their mission. So I think that would be helpful. Yeah, okay. this family needs a, a lot of a lot of help. It's 
it's kind of disgusting actually. So no, well, that's part of the business sometimes is helping those people who need help. Yeah. So I want to help. Yeah. Good. All okay, right. So thank thanks. You. Circle back. Let's know how that works out. Okay. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, and then Saul Negret asks, how does an ancillary probate show up on the public records? Is a special entity? Does it come up as a normal probate case with an out-of-state personal rep? So, so I can't speak to every uh, area. I personally have only received data in um, Los Angeles County. But the process is a filing of a petition. Uh, and so whether it's an ancillary or a subprobate, it's really a probate. And so it will look in, in Los Angeles County like a probate case, um, but the the um, uh, the petitions asking for the court to take the money and send it to the probate case in whatever the primary state is. So in public records, if you're talking about ownership of the property, until the property is owned, it's still owned in the name of the decedent. Once the probate is closed, it'll transfer it to whoever the estate wants it to go to, whether they want to go to the estate of um, the probate in their state, or they want to sell the property during the probate, that's depending. Most of the time it's just sold. And so in that way, it's public records. In terms of public records on the probate filing, um, generally speaking, in, in looks like a, a petition for probate. The fact that it's ancillary is a fact in the case. It's not a, at least in California, not a separate petition. Hope that answers your question. If not, jump in and Continue the conversation. And then Larry Smith, who asked, what's the statute of limitations in Montana? I don't think the statute of limitations applies here. And it doesn't really apply to probate. You have a property is deeded in somebody's name. And if they're alive, it's in their name. If they pass, then it's in, in the state of. And so I don't think it could be 10, 20 years. But the, the, the title still has to get transferred from the decedent to the probate case. Bill, I, I think I would have meant there was... Um... It looks like probate hasn't been opened, and I was wondering if there was a statute of limitations in Montana, because that's five years now, or four years. Uh, four years is Texas limitation, so I didn't know if they had one there. So when you say uh, statute of limitations, what happens at the end of that in Texas? Because we don't have that concept, I don't think, in California. Yeah, I'm going to double check on that now. Um, but I believe you have four years from the date they die to, to open probate. So, oh, so like in California, you have a certain amount of time to, to file the will. I want to say 60 days or something. Um, and then theoretically, anybody, once the will's filed, anybody can file probate. But right. the, we don't have a limit on when you have to file the probate. I don't think there's such a – it's not statute of limitations. There's probably a code requirement. Well, may, may, maybe, that, maybe that's a better terminology. Yeah, yeah. It may not be a statute of limitations, but it, there is a requirement to open probate. Uh, and usually in Texas, I believe it is four years. I'll go back and look at my probate code. Okay. Uh, but it's been a while. Somebody, I see Wayne over there doing four. So, yeah. it, it, so it looks like I was right again. Okay. Thank you. Oh, hold, you were right about what? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Wayne's wrong. If the answer is you're right, that must, yeah. that sound right to me. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think we're kind of at the end of the hour here. So thanks for participating. Hey, if you guys want to, want to go into the estate planning mastermind in Facebook, and if there's a topic you'd like to cover on this call, my thinking is that maybe we should start rotating different 
topics I can share for 10 minutes or so or 15 to get the discussion going on different areas of our business, lead generation, follow-up, social media, uh, those kinds of things. If that's something of interest to you, uh, go to the Facebook group and put down what topic you'd like to see us to talk about, and we'd be glad to continue the conversation there. Um, I'm Bill Gross. I'm not 100% sure what we're doing next week. I'm going to the XPCon in uh, Las Vegas. So I don't know if we're going to record this ahead of time or we're going to do this. We're going to try to do it live, I think. Stay tuned for details. Um, I'll see you guys uh, later this week. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye.